The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, Episode 6, Boxes. Mara Darkmage smiled to herself. If the group hadn't adopted the Decameron as a turn-taking method, she would have contrived some way to go first. As it was, she couldn't cast a spell on Jack's stupid little program, but it was based on a deck of cards, and cards were the devil's signposts down a rocky road, especially if you played yours well and read other people's better. I started this and I will end it when I get what I want, she thought. Ideally, with a clear way home for herself and to hell with everyone else. To hell, yes. Quite possibly a good place to start. I'm going to begin slightly differently than I first planned, Mara said. But I'm sure that between us, the story will get to where it needs to go in the end. While a text adventure was being collectively played, Moot had a private channel function. This was in addition to the extras utility where Jack had uploaded the Decameron to determine their order of play. The private channel normally allowed players to meet and plan strategy if the text adventure was being hosted by a single game master. Other players couldn't tell who was part of any private channel unless they had been invited. Jack quickly invited Adland and Yvonne. To his relief, they both accepted immediately. If one of us is drawn in next, Lucas said, writing as Yvonne, we should meet on this channel after Mara's done, okay? She may not be quite what she seems. Jack and Isabel both readily agreed. Once, long ago, Mara began, there was a prosperous merchant who had a loving wife and only one son. We'll call him... Yvonne, do you object to my taking your name, Aeronaut? Mara asked. Not at all, Yvonne returned. What does she mean, taking your name? Adeline queried on the private channel. Is there some significance to that? <sighs> In some stories, if someone knows a character's true name, they can exert a certain power, Mara explained. She wasn't omniscient but people were predictable and their confusion and mild panic had a certain delicious familiar feel, like a warm hug. If a name is known, a spell can be broken or cast on that person. That character can be made to do something or perhaps suffer the fate, good or bad, described in the tale, Mara finished. Isabel involuntarily covered her question in the private channel of the Moot app with her hand, as if that would actually hide anything. Jack took another tack, cloaking his unease in a bit of skepticism and hiding the lot in plain sight. Could any of us refuse, he asked. Would it have made a difference if Yvonne had said no? You could refuse as he could. 
but that would just tell me a bit more about the real Ivan. Like he is suggestible, a little high strung perhaps, or a bit of a fool. Isabel threw a string of curses in Gaelic into the private channel, substituting symbols for letters, making her execrations seem like a cross between code and cartoon. Jack laughed, tossing back something obscure and elvish, peppered with the same outraged spelling. He hoped Yvonne knew Klingon. No substitutions needed there. Mara couldn't read the exchange, but after a fashion, she saw the silence. It was turning quite, quite blue. Now, now, be nice, Mara said. Yvonne knows what he's about. Sometimes it is better to be silent and have the world think you are a fool than to open your mouth and remove all doubt, Yvonne finished with a winking grin. Mara resumed. As I said, the merchant went away on a long voyage. He grew very rich, sending most of his profits home to his family in shipments of splendid bejeweled coffers that were secured with ingenious locks. In this way, he gave his fortune over to his family's keeping, but would not allow them to prosper from his success until he came home. Such is the true heart of a miser. Dutifully, his family kept all of his riches safely, but then one day word reached his family that the merchant died at sea. Unable to open any of the boxes of treasure and use the contents to better their lives or even pay their bills, the family was soon impoverished and starving. Neighbors and rival merchants came and demanded payment of unpaid debts that the merchant incurred in life, and they soon took away most of the beautiful coffers, even though none of the merchant's creditors had any better luck opening them. Only three were left. On each, there was an inscription. This way leads to paradise and possible damnation, said the first. This way leads to hell and possible redemption, said the second. This way leads to elsewhere, and the possibilities are unknown, said the third. Which should our young Yvonne choose, Pilot? Mara demanded. Lucas knew the way this was supposed to go. As in life, so in folktales. None of the choices were without a catch. In many tales, the hero was confronted with three choices at the stable of an inn as he tied up his horse while pondering his empty pockets, or at a conveniently located crossroads in the woods. He that goes straight shall hunger and thirst. He that goes right shall prosper, but his steed shall perish. He that goes left shall perish, but his steed shall prosper. Lucas didn't have a horse, and anyway, the answer wasn't always as obvious as it looked. By all means, sacrifice a rattled mount to gain the help of the great grey wolf. But if your horse was a good one, you had to take care of it because it was your ticket home. The risk of death wasn't always so bad, either. Russian folktales flowed with the waters of death and life. The first could repair a mangled corpse to statue-like perfection, even if it had been cut up into tiny pieces and those pieces all but destroyed. The second could restore life as if nothing had happened. Handy concoctions, to be sure, but for a people who had come up with vodka, not really much of a stretch. Then again, he knew the saying, 
a true hero should always be willing to face death. Lucas mused. The third choice was possibly the most appealing with its unknowns, but Lucas thought he might keep that one in reserve for later. Yvonne takes stock of what he has with him, Lucas wrote. He immediately asked Moot for a list of what he carried with him and what was near them in the tavern. Mara had neglected to say that they had left. Lucas hoped the others took note of this feature if they didn't know about it. The game's responses were always public in its publicly defined spaces. That's not the choice I gave you, Mara exclaimed. The game returned dispassionately. You carry nothing except a knife. You have no money. You are dressed for travel. On the table in front of you are three locked jeweled boxes. They are small and appear valuable. In the corner near your table is an empty sack. It seems discarded and in good repair. Our hero walks to the corner and picks up the sack. He returns to the table and puts two of the boxes into it, Yvonne wrote. If Mara was putting him into the story, he was keeping his options open. He might need or want to explore one of the possibilities the other boxes offered, or trade a box for a hot meal, a bed, or a good stiff drink, healing or otherwise. You can't do that, Mara insisted. Our hero seems unimpeded, Lucas wrote. Shouldering his sack, he picks up the second box and leaves the tavern. The others hurried after him, textually speaking. Mara took care to query their location, on the side of an ancient road bordered by woods. Fine, she continued. Young Ivan read the inscription on the box, wondering whether his brave heart was really a match for the choice he had made. He ran his finger around the lock, which showed a raised design framing the keyhole. He pressed all along the design and felt for a catch. Nothing happened. He peered into the keyhole. Nothing happened. He blew into the lock as if to clear it. The little box sprang open with such violence, Yvonne nearly dropped it. Inside was... Lucas held his breath. A much smaller stone box at the top of a magically burning tiny tree on a tiny island. Inside the box was a hare that was ripped to pieces by a dog. Inside the hare was a duck. The duck flew up to get away but was taken down by an eagle. Inside the duck there was an egg. The egg fell into the sea surrounding the island and was retrieved by a fish. The egg contained a needle which held a tiny replica of a mighty city on its point. The city burst into flames and the needle was lost to Yvonne, swallowed into hell. Our young hero believed this was his death and felt a compulsion to follow, terrifying though that prospect was. Yvonne had no idea how to begin his quest, but begin he must, Mara finished with satisfaction. She pressed the hotkey to cause the Decameron to select the next card. Three of Diamonds. I hope you know what you're doing, Yvonne. It seems you have to get yourself, uh, I mean our hero, out of hell, or try to. That didn't go the way I thought it would, I'll admit, but I'm interested to see where you take us. Starting from here, same time next week then, Mara said. An intriguing, challenging beginning, Mara. Thank you, though I don't envy either the Yvonne of our party or the one in the tale, Adeline commented. 
Yes, well told and well met. See you anon, Jack replied publicly as Mara signed off. Box number two? Are you crazy, man? Jack exploded into the private channel. Crazy Yvonne, that's me, Lucas wrote. Funny, for a lad who was afraid of drowning, he had chosen a submariner's tactics to strengthen his opening position. What are you talking about? Adeline asked. Are you planning to be killed off early? The opposite, I hope, Lucas answered. I'm Lucas, by the way, and if you've got a minute, we need to talk about Mara. The Decameron, A Year of Otherworldly Tales, is an original work by Shauna Kozar, all rights reserved. Shauna gratefully acknowledges that she lives and works in a beautiful, storied place, the ancestral lands of the Snamuk First Nation, and that she crafts her tales thanks to the support of the Canada Council.